you have extraordinarily good lighting. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, if there's some soft focus going on. So, um, yeah, I'll, you know, you like to get on and like, let me tell you my secrets. Uh, I'm, let me, I will show you my secrets here. So um, this is. Now you look uh, like a chud. Okay. Like, it's right, just exactly. terrible. So uh, a little while ago, I was going to buy a brand new webcam. And I was like, man, you know, before it's been a couple hundred bucks, I wonder if I could take that DSLR that's sitting in my basement and make it a webcam. Turns out the answer to that question is, yes, you can. Um, and so it wasn't doing a whole lot. So I, I made it a webcam. It has like, you know, there's a couple drawbacks, but for the most part, um, it's awesome. Uh, it doesn't have like kind of the full 1080p. That's the only thing that really bugs me. Um, but then I have this like super awesome window that's right here. I spent the first like two years plus of COVID in my basement with no windows. And finally I was just over it. And I was like, I am coming out of the basement and I, I landed in our bedroom and my wife was like, this, this was cute. Um, appreciate seeing you. Glad that the vitamin D is reaching you. Um, need you out of the bedroom. And so what I'm in now is, is uh, we have this kind of s the small other bedroom that acted as our nursery as we had our second, third and fourth. And now I kicked fourth out uh, when he turned about four or five. He's bunking with um, number three. And so, you know, it's all good. So now I have my office with actual real light um, and oddly enough, a, a very nice camera. So that's a long know, way to explain why you look so attractive. I And, you know, Zach, that's what I appreciate about you, buddy. I, I, I came here. I didn't know what to expect, but the compliments are flowing uh, without hesitation. And I respect that 100 percent. It's all downhill from here. Look, we both like to talk. So this is going to be like a thing. So. Uh, yeah, it's it. I, I would have been like, you know, blessed by God, healthy living, you know, just all, all that. You're like, hold on, <laughs> expensive camera, good lighting, nice shelves. There it is. You know? <laughs> and with all those, you know, great things, you can uh, be definitely more attractive than me. But um, yeah, and this is strictly audio, so no one will ever know what any of this meant or if I've just made up everything. And and we're, you know, that this could be some Orson Welles nonsense going on right now. Or is that this is the opportunity to venture into vlogging? I mean, like this, this could be the launch point for you, like a whole new offering to a whole new world, right? The entrepreneurial spirit flows uh, deep within me. And so like, why not just create the next mousetrap uh, here and now and make it declarative? I mean, let's get after it, buddy. That's true. I mean, I did go through all the work to become a plural site registered author and then immediately found they had no courses that I actually could or wanted to author. And I'm like, I'm so glad I went through all that work. Like that was totally worthwhile. It's like, it was really great learning how to edit videos for no functional purpose. I love that. What a, what a great skill set to have too, right? It is. It's like, now I know how to edit instructional videos. And I went through the process of getting Camtasia and learning how to use that, which is spectacular. It's an amazing tool. It's great for tutorials. If you're going to do tutorials, you should have Camtasia. And now I, I've used it like twice and I feel terrible, especially since, you know, I was sponsored to help buy, to buy it. So I really need to start using it more. So oh. all, all this to say is like you're moving and shaking like all over the place, right? With analytic vision. So I, I have several friends that work with you, some of which they used to work with me, some of which uh, that I work with through Women in Technology. And everyone says only nice things, even behind your back. Um, so which is which is good. But like, what's what's the what's that. the deal? Why why do people like working for you? Oh man, I've that's met a you. loaded question, and it, it, that's a that's a question that's difficult to answer with humility. Um, let's give it a shot, though. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I really I have a passion for people. Um, I love human beings; they're fascinating to me. Um, I. <laughs> there's so much of the last decade of my life that has required me to grow up. Uh, when I, so I sit here uh, as we're having this conversation in the month of August, uh, the year of 2023, uh, I'm wrapping up my thirties. Um, and as I look back over the last 10 years, like the amount of growth as a human being that I've had, and you know, just human being. And then like when you get into the professional pieces and all that other stuff, but um I'm so grateful for a really hard journey that has made me grow up into uh, somebody that I hope is worth following. You know, one of the things that I point to in this organization where we focus on leadership a ton is that we are uh, endeavoring 
to help people become leaders worth following. And so uh, the the compliment you you just gave, which uh, means a lot, is uh, in some form or fashion, I am on my way to being uh, a leader worth following and hopefully will remain there and hopefully grow uh, as we go forward. Um, that has not always been the case. I have not been worth following for a significant period of my life. Um, it was a bunch of stuff, you know, and frankly, Tableau was at the center of it. There, there was a long season that where, uh, you know, you go from, you know, Hey, what am I going to do professionally? How am I going to impact the world? Cause I think there's a, a deep purpose that sits inside all of us. Like we want to impact the world. Like we want to, you know, we want to, uh, leave a dent in the universe and make our mark and all this type of stuff. And, and so that was definitely in me. Um, and I thought for a long time, you know, if I could just show everybody just how smart I was and, uh, you know, prove and, and whatnot, you know, as in my twenties. Uh, and then I, I got definitely a big level of that, uh, for, for those who have followed Zach for a long time, but have, uh, been in the Tableau community for less than let's call it eight, seven years. Uh, at one point back in 2014, I was actually a Tableau Zen master. Um, and it was an incredible honor. Um, it was uh, something, if I'm being very honest, I wanted uh, and something, frankly, that I worked towards. Uh, not unlike a lot of other people, uh, what I would suggest, though, is that like the people who get this and hold it and honor the title and the recognition, they do it in service of other people. In the season of my life that I got it, I didn't do it for that reason. And so uh, that then kind of got me to, into this place where my talent had carried carried me past what my maturity would allow for. And so then all of a sudden I'm, I'm breaking as a human, uh, I'm breaking at home, I'm breaking uh, as a father, as a husband, um, just as a, as, as a person. Meanwhile, the world was applauding and saying, what a great, uh, you know, great blogs, Nelson, like really beautiful dashboards. This is so great. This ascribes you this value in the marketplace. This ascribes you this value professionally. And the the challenge that ultimately that presented to me was uh, I kind of got to, in some form or fashion, kind of the top of that ladder, the top of that mountain, only to realize that I was kind of climbing on the wrong ladder, climbing on the wrong building, because it was all about me. And so that then started a big, long process that was 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, where I just had to ex excavate a ton about myself and learn about like, why do I do this? Who am I really? Because I didn't know the answer to that question either. Um, I also didn't let people in to know me, um, you know, because I what I did was I painted a facade of, you know, I think you want me to be this thing. And so I will be that thing, even though I may or may not be that thing underneath the mask. But the reality is, is like when you wear a mask, only the mask uh, gets loved. And so I decided uh, in like 2017, 2018, 2019 to take the mask off and to kind of just let people into who I was. Um, and so the fruit of that is the relationships got deeper. You know, the, the, the biggest lie that we tell ourselves about the mask and hiding behind it is, you know, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me very much. And the reality is, is when you be, when you choose to take the mask off and you let people know who you really are, you begin to find out that, um, you know, in, in the midst of you know, what if what if I show you who I really am? In the midst of all that, I'll find out that you, should, you actually love me more, not less by letting you in. Right. You'll find out that I'm not perfect. You'll find out that I screw up. You find out that I got stuff in my past. You'll find out all these things about me. And if it's if it's check boxes and awards and trophies and achievements, you'll like me less because you'll find out I'm actually not perfect. The lie, is, and that's the lie. The reality is, you know, to your question, Zach, is I've let people in. I've told them that I'm not perfect, but I told them that you know all the imperfection is actually me. Like you actually, in this season of my life, you get to know who I am. Um, and what I've found is that that that's actually an incredible gift. And it's a gift because it's actually fairly rare um, that people, you know, that people let you in, people let you see, you know, the, the high points and the low points and they're vulnerable with it uh, and they're authentic about it. And so uh, if, if anything, uh, to wrap up that little statement, it's just like the people that helped me go on that journey is crappy and awful as it was you know my wife had a lot of patience with me i had mentors who came around me and loved me and basically said 
Like, you know, if you're really gifted and talented, but nobody knows who you are, right? And you don't even know who you are. Uh, and that, you know, I had somebody come and sit with me and said, basically sit me down and said, who are you? And I tried to answer it with Zen master and consultant and husband and father. And they said, no, that's, those are all things you do. And it, until I've really wrestled that question to the ground and figured that out, um, I, you know, that, that, that was the life-changing piece for me. And that's what you, I think, and, and other people around me at this point, it's, it's part of the way that I can engage the world is, is to help other people find that in themselves and also to just be connected and to be loved. Right. That was the biggest piece for me is I, the, I've, I've come to just love people and all their imperfections, uh, all the beauty of that, because at the end of the day, like, you know, the imperfections are where we find our stories that matter and it, it's where we can find connection. And so uh, I appreciate that. I, I, that's cool feedback. I'm grateful for it. My pleasure. <laughs> I, I think that speaks to like a deep human need, uh, the desire and the need to feel like known you know like we we would say loved or accepted or respected or whatever but like for people to truly like understand who you are and like what you're about and you know to to know that you know you like the nelson that they're seeing like the uh tableau zen master who we took his tattoo off with a cheese grater like um you know that he he is a a flawed human being like everyone else and i think like since most of us know each other unless you work, you know, in a, in a specific work team or in an office, we know each other specifically through social media, social media puts a big premium on creating a larger than life, exaggerated version of yourself that only talks about your successes and your wins. I mean, to the point where, you know, we see influencer culture and the idea that people will rent an airplane to sit in and take pictures to give the impression that they fly on private jets and that sort of thing. That's obviously an exaggeration, but sure. most of us have done something like that on some scale where we're trying to make ourselves seem more together or a better person or more competent than we actually are. Yeah. And at the same time, one of the things that is super fascinating to me is that while all that is happening and is creating a bunch of noise in social, the thing that we crave as human beings, especially in our generation, because we see it so little, is authenticity, right? We're, we're craving the ability to engage, right? We're craving the ability to have purpose and to be connected in a world where connection is you know, so much harder than it was even three and a half years ago. Right. You know, it's we're having this conversation virtually because you're in Memphis and I'm in Atlanta. Um, and yet, you know, in an ideal world, we'd be sitting across the table from one another because that connection is even that much stronger. Right. And we had our, you know, our, our all hands meeting this morning in our organization. And, you know, through the amazing gift of technology, we have 25 people from multiple states uh, in this great nation all sitting around a virtual room, which is awesome. But wouldn't it be awesome? And we we do this four times, five times a year in our organization. We pay to bring everybody together and sit them in the same room because that's how much we value connection. Right. Uh, and, and it, there's just no other way to create those experiences. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that I think in the midst of that kind of influencer culture, where you see the facade, you see the mask, people are craving more and more now than ever, this, this like need for authenticity, this need for real purpose, this need for great connection. And, you know, I think it's it's a really interesting generational conversation um, because I think, you know, when I one of the conversations I love having is like, you know, the the workplace um, cultural pieces around millennials and Gen X and looking at uh, sorry, uh, with Gen Z and then looking at the those in charge who are kind of the boomers and the Gen Xers. Right. And kind of saying, like, you guys aren't doing it for me this isn't working. They're looking back at kind of the up and coming talent. They're saying, we don't know how to lead these, these young folks. They don't get how this works. And you're having this kind of generational divide. Part of it is like, you know, some of these things that we're talking about weren't true way back when. And, and just like the way that we present ourselves, the way that we like what we value as human beings. And I kind of, I'm right there in the pivot because I'm an old millennial. I definitely identify as a millennial, uh, no doubt. Cause I, 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 I could not uh, with integrity kind of like 
be like, yeah, I really feel like a Gen Xer. Um, like I'm right there at 84, but like I'm I very much identify with kind of that millennial culture. And so like, I, but I sit there right at the pivot. I'm like, there's there's aspects of truth to what the boomers and the the Xers are saying. You know, there's aspects of this. Yeah, you guys don't get it. But at the same time, you know, on behalf of the millennials and the Gen Zers, we're still craving very human things. We're still craving connection. We're still craving purpose, even if we don't know and can't articulate the fact that that's actually what we're, we're searching for. And so that's a part of what we want to do is, is help create that connection and light people up. You know, if your purpose is aligned to what we're doing around here, the man, we got to, you know, we're doing some great stuff. Love to light you up with it. I think that's a really great perspective. And I think you were talking about, you know, going back to um, the idea of achievement. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to we all have some sort of perspective of we want to have like legacy or impact. And you're thinking about like, what are people going to think about me? Like, especially, you know, as a 42 year old who's definitely feeling his mortality and is considered a old millennial or a young Gen Xer. I, I wasn't, you know, born in 81. So, uh, yeah, right I, I, I was at the age when liking computers made you lame and not being savvy in technology was just considered normal. But, um, you know, talking about, you know, being a, a Tableau Zen master years ago and stuff like that, um, for everyone that's out there hustling right now and thinking about the accreditations to their name or that last project they made that was really significant and cool or how many followers they have on social media, stop doing it for six months and see what happens. Like, yeah. does anyone think about you after that? And, you know, I, that's kind of a, a dark perspective to take, but we've seen lots of people that have been rising stars in various aspects. They've been, you know, widely acclaimed and, you know, considered successful and well-known. And they either have something happen in their life or they lose interest or they stop doing something and they almost immediately just vanish. And that's not to say that what they did wasn't special or cool or whatever, but if you're sort of basing your worth on what you think the stuff you're doing right now is going to be valued at down the road, you're going to be disappointed really quickly. I know for me, the stuff that I've done that feels most significant, I know getting Tableau Visionary um, felt really great immediately and then felt immediately felt like room temperature. Like as like, it didn't mm -hmm. feel special almost immediately afterwards. Um, but the things that have felt very special to me are the relationships, the mentees I've had, the people I've worked with and seeing and helping other people thrive and develop and then go on and do that with other people. That's felt way more meaningful to me than anything I've built or, you know, displayed or, or shown on my own, you know? Yeah. I, I remember, um, when I kind of got my rock, you know, I, I remember obviously like, this is super cool. It's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, kind of to your point, and again, I was not mature enough for the for the time and the season, but I would say uh, I felt very much a weight of like I now have to go prove that I earned this, right? And and uh, and to your point, it was almost like instantaneous. It was it was almost it would have been frankly easier uh, not to have gotten it because then it was like, well, you know, I didn't get it. That's disappointing, but I don't feel this obligation to go prove that I was worth this. And again, I was in a season where I was, I was tying a lot of my worth to like this achievement that as I was getting out of that season, I, re I remember very vividly having a conversation with a mentor. And I, I said something effective, like, I feel like I'm on a treadmill running as fast as I possibly can, but I'm going nowhere. And he basically said, you got to get off the treadmill. And I said, I don't know how. Right. And, and that's exactly kind of what I, I see here, which is, you're you're running and you're busy and you're you're going after it and you're chasing it hard. What you don't realize though is that you're on a treadmill, right? Um, I remember a, there's a great quote and I don't know who actually said it, but it's in a, a kind of a motivational video that I watched with um, one of a couple of my boys around baseball. But there's a quote in there that says something to the effect of, you know, I wish that people could realize all of their achievements and titles and all those things to so that they would come to appreciate the fact that that's not where you're going to find fulfillment, that that's not where you're going to find your purpose. That at the end of the day, where we find our purpose, where we find fulfillment is in serving other people and in being connected to others and being a part of other people's lives, right? You know, the, the less I do that's about me, frankly, the more influence I have, which is one of those, you know, kind of crazy paradoxes uh, that seems very counterintuitive but is an absolute reality, right? You know, uh, to, Zach, to your point there, I went through a long season where I just kind of realized as I 
kind of grew up like all, a lot of what I'm doing online and in social is is about me and like I need to I need to pause on that until I can do it in a healthy way um and then you know and I, and I did I, I kind of left social from like 2016 to 2019 and I I had a conversation as I was starting AV with uh, a, a different a, another wise mentor and I sat around a fire with him and I said hey look I'm struggling with this because um I have baggage of you know, blowing up social media in service of myself so that uh, other people think I'm awesome, right? And I stopped, like I, I, I totally stopped. I totally disengaged because I, I, I don't want that. I don't want to be that. However, I'm starting a company. Uh, and uh, as it turns out, if nobody knows you exist, it's really hard to get business. I said, help me, help me square this, right? And I'm, I'm a person of faith. I, the person I was talking to is a person of faith. He said, Nelson, you know, as best I can interpret the scriptures, um, you know, if what you're offering is something that somebody actually needs, right? If you don't tell them you can help them, then that's almost like a sin, right? If you if you can help somebody and you don't let them know that that, that that's a thing. That, that you have that ability, that you can take their pain away by using your gifts and talents and the gifts and talents of your organization to, to come, right? Because we were company one at the point. He said that that's akin to just being wrong, right? You're, you're withholding goodness, right? You're withholding, you know, the gifts that you were given, right? And so part of what I had to then transition into is like, how do I show up in the socials authentically where it's, you know, it's not about me, but it's about how can, how can I take the learnings that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm going through? How can I take the stories that I'm hearing? How can I take the great work of our consultants or, um, you know, how one of our clients is thriving or something like that and use that to create signal versus noise um, to others who might need that thing, who might need that same help, who might need that insight, who might could learn from, you know, you know, Hey, I've been down there. Don't go down there. Like go this way instead. It's, it, you know, all these different things in service of the reader, right. In service of the person on the other side of the screen. That's been really helpful for me because uh, again, I try to get it right more than I get it wrong. Uh, it's still a challenge. There's still plenty of times where I show up and I'm like, you know, what do I really have to say that I think anybody else actually really cares to hear? Um, but you know, it's, it's been a super fruitful journey. Like that's the one thing I would say without a doubt is like figuring that out and going through that process has been just an incredible experience. And it's been a gift to, um, you know, AV is at this point is a company of about 32 people. Um, and it's, it's had an amazing impact on me personally. Um, but I'm also really grateful because there's so many people who have shared the the stories of the impact that it's had on them as well. Um, and that's really what we set out to do was, you know, um, you know, you, uh, I was reading your blog post the other day on Iceman and Mavericks. Right. And I, you know, I, if, if I could be 110% Maverick, like I would be 110% Maverick. Like I don't have that rule follower bone in my body. Um, but I appreciate them one, but thing two is like, you know, we kind of said, we, we, we started this organization to break some rules. Like, you know, traditionally, this is what consulting looks like. Traditionally, this is what business looks like. Traditionally, this is what data and technology looks like. And this is traditionally what leadership looks like. And it's like, I wasn't satisfied with most of those answers. Uh, Cause I just simply felt like there wasn't enough humanity in it. There wasn't enough connection in it. There wasn't enough um, just purpose to be had in there. I just wanted more. And so we, we, we started a company on the crazy idea that we could equip and inspire people to be better uh, humans, spouses, professionals, uh, so forth. And the impact of that would be multi-generational if we got it right, or if we were even half right, right? That it would impact your kids and, your, and therefore your grandkids, right? Um, and the cool part is like, now we're in our fifth year um, we have so many stories of kind of those things coming to life. And, and that is the most fulfilling part for me because there's a lot of other parts of it where it's like just really hard. Um, but anyway, yeah. So let me ask you this. 
So like with a vision like that, I mean, this is obviously a lot bigger than like most jobs where it's like, we're hiring you to perform a function and work within a team and you obviously support others. Like your, your vision is, I'm not gonna say holistic, but it's, it's way more uh, all encompassing. Um, does that lead to, I mean, a, a, a more selective hiring process? Does it mean like it's going to be more appealing to some people than others? Like, like how, how do you find that works in terms of uh, hiring and personnel? Like you've got a pretty, you've got a significant team. Like uh, what's it, what's it like, you know, coming on board? Um, what is this uh, more attractive to certain personality types than others? Like, I don't know. I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts there. Yeah. It, so I love that question. Um, one of the things that clarity brings is it creates polarization, right? It is, it is very kind to be clear, right? Um, we are clear about what we're doing, what we're attempting to do, how we're going to go about it. What that does is that it attracts uh, in, in major ways, certain populations, and it's repulsive to others, which is absolutely what we want it to do. That's perfect, right? Because it, you know, we get into, and I get into a lot of conversation with people who kind of say, hey, you've been watching what's going on with the company. I kind of follow you on LinkedIn or I follow you here or whatever, Um I just love the vision that you guys are doing. That's awesome. Like you're, you're in our tribe for every one of those. I'm sure there's 10 folks who are like, I would never do that. Um, I don't want to be, you know, that engaged with the people that I work with. I don't want, uh, you know, I want to come in and build the thing and then clock out and be done. Right. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what we're going to do here. Right. And so our clarity and the kindness that it creates is that, you know, if that's what you're looking for, please don't come because you'll be really unhappy here. If you want something more that's more engaging, that's going to be more all encompassing, um, that is going to not just engage you as a professional, but also as a human being, that's the type of organization that we are striving to build. Um, that does, therefore, to your point, mean like we have a different recruitment process. Uh, our recruitment process at the moment, and it's been this way for a long time, we're kind of looking at changing around a little bit, but it's basically a nine step process. And it's the, it's the first three steps that are technical. Um, after you kind of go through the technical piece, then it's, you know, can you do problem solving um, both rapidly and then also kind of pre-thinking. Um, and then you get into some character conversations and you're reading, uh, you know, a couple of chapters of seven habits. Uh, you're watching a couple of Ted talks and you're writing a one page response. And, you know, I, I lead that, conversation typically. And I, I come into that conversation. I say, Hey, look, you know, first question is like, what did you think of this exercise? Because we, we're going to do this with you for, you know, call it four five, six books a year. And if you're around here for six, eight, 10 years, you got 40 to 60 more of these things. So right, if you don't like doing this, please don't come. It's going to be miserable. Um, and so, you know, we're creating clarity as you go through the process. Some people are like, yeah, you know, I'm not much of a reader. And it's like, Okay, well, so your options are uh, either become a reader or listen to the books or don't come, right? Because again, this content isn't going away. We may do other other mediums, but like, you know, engaging with ideas that aren't yours from thinkers who preceded you uh, and who have thought about this a whole bunch more than you or I um, is actually really enriching. And so we're going to do this. Uh, and, but if you don't want to do it, Again, that's okay. It doesn't make us right and you wrong. It just is our clarity to you that this is what you can expect here. Um, and then you have a couple other conversations that are uh, you know, just kind of deeper in nature. Um, and then we kind of culminate the whole thing and, and take all the different data points and kind of make a decision together. Um, and it's, you know, so far it's been really good. Um, it's, a, it's a high barrier to entry. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, psychologically speaking, when you when you pay when you when you pay a high price for something, uh, the value you the value that you ascribe it uh, is much higher, right? Is that much more valuable because you paid that much more for it? And so we we do think we have a very valuable organization. We think it's uh, you know to me it's priceless, um, but it's having the opportunity to engage with people who understand what we're doing and understand why we're doing it in the first place. Um, man, you just, uh, it's, it's so much fun around here. I mean, a lot of respect for the intentionality of that, because whether or not places describe and have even like have a name for their corporate culture, every place has one. 
Um, I previously worked yeah. um, when I worked at ALSAC, which is the fundraising and support organization for St. Jude. We would do the marketing and, and fundraising and promotion and the hospital just does medicine. Um, and we didn't have an official culture, but it was colloquially called ALSAC nice, which meant non-confrontational, um, mm. not, not, uh, non-aggressive. Uh, like if there were meetings that people disagreed, it was better just not to say anything. And then at some point our CEO officially abolished ALSAC nice. He said, no more ALSAC nice, but did not bring in any new concepts. So oh, it's like, so what do you have now? Now you've got nothing. So now, now you've just got ambiguity. So before it was everyone be nice to each other. And then after that, it was now we don't know. So it was uh, when, you, when you get that kind of haziness from your leadership, especially when they officially address a previous non-official type of culture and say, that's not who we are anymore. And you say, who yeah. are we? And you're like, not that. <laughs> <laughs> so unhelpful. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, we actually talk about the, the terms nice and kind, right? You know, nice is telling somebody what they want to hear. Kindness is telling somebody what they need to hear. Um, and, you know, frankly, being kind is so much more helpful, but it also requires a lot more courage, um, you know, and, and you know, lest uh, everybody who hears this podcast is like, man, that organization sounds like utopia. I'm sure you have no problems and I'm sure that everything's awesome. I can assure you that none of that's true. Uh, we have uh, tons of our own troubles, uh, tons of things. Where we are still figuring a lot of stuff out. Uh, you know, we've we've said for a long time, like we're building this airplane and flying it at the same time. You know, I reflected, you know, we're, we're, we're now four and a half years old. Like maybe we should like have more of this airplane built than, than currently exists. Uh, we're working on it, but, but to your point, like in that circumstance, the opportunities to clarify, we're not going to be nice anymore. We're going to be kind. Right. And the difference between those two things is actually massive. As long as you understand the definition of the words, Right. I've been telling you what you want to hear. It turns out that's not actually serving you or the organization. What you need to hear is actually what you need to hear. And so I'm going to start telling you what you need to hear. So if it's not good enough, I'm going to tell you it's not good enough. And if it doesn't meet uh, the strategy of the organization or it's not in alignment to what we're doing over here, I'm going to tell you that too, because those things are actually kindness because you, you know, you know, I have this belief that every human really wants to make an impact. Like every human really desires purpose uh, and to just, they, they want to be engaged and connected to good work that is meaningful, that, you know, takes uh, them, their cause, their belief, their organization forward uh, in a positive direction. Uh, and, you know, being nice doesn't accomplish that, right? You know, uh, and, you know, the other thing too is like hinting at, what you need to hear isn't actually that either. I've come to just learn, like, sometimes you just need to hear like, hey, this, I love you. And this wasn't good enough. Right. I love you. And, um, you know, I, and, and part of what I do as a leader is like, I, I, my phrasing around this is I love you enough to tell you that this is not what we need, or, or this is, or, you know, you need to hear this, or we need to go in this direction, or, hey, we're doing something different. And that means this for you, right? Because I'd rather you hear it from me, or and I'd rather you have the clarity versus, you know, I'll just kind of do a back end, or I'll just kind of sabotage it. So I didn't actually tell you, right? Um, and the biggest learning on this one is like, I listened to a story that Patrick Lencioni talked about. And this was a, a CEO of a very large organization who was, uh, the story goes, he was retiring. Um, and there was somebody on the executive team who nobody really liked. Um, nobody really liked this person's leadership and so forth. And and this, this kind of other executive was going around telling other people that when, you know, CEO retires, you know, he's going to become the future CEO. And so, you know, the COO or, or somebody else, a third party kind of comes to the CEO and says, Hey, Jimmy over here is saying that when you retire, he's going to become the CEO. Is that true? And the CEO goes, no, no, no. I would never make Jimmy the CEO. Nobody wants to follow that guy. He's like, oh, phew, thank God, right? Um, do you mind telling him, right? Because he's telling everybody all this stuff and it's freaking everybody out and da, da, da. And the CEO goes, no, that sounds like a lot of work, right? It's like, no, it's not. Like, pick up the phone. Call, call Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy, uh, great to talk to you. Hope you're well. Hey, I hear you're, you know, 
telling everybody that you're going to become the CEO. You're not, uh, just to create that clarity for you. Love you. Um, please stop saying it. And if you do, I'll fire you immediately. Thank you and have a great day. Like it's that easy to create that clarity in that moment. And the benefit to the organization would be massive. But the reason we don't create that clarity is because it makes us uncomfortable. So it's it's out of my own selfishness, out of I'm choosing my own comfort so that I don't have to have that hard conversation with you or that direct conversation with you. And, and again, the reason that that's hard is because it takes courage, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's one of those moments where you, you kindness requires courage. It requires clarity. Uh, and we don't do it enough. And it's hard, you know, it's hard even when you are practiced at it, right? Because you don't want to just tell people that they stink or anything like that. But if you're doing it so that they can grow and so that the organization can grow and so that everybody can move forward aligned, you just got to zoom out to the bigger picture and say, I know that th we need to have a direct conversation. I love you enough to have it with you. Are you, are you in a place where you can have a direct conversation with me? Because I've got some stuff I need to tell you. Then we actually have the conversation and say, hey, like the reason I'm giving you this feedback or giving you this information or having this direct conversation is because I care about you, I care about the people around you, and I care about the organization. And we all have to go forward, which means these things need to change, right? When you say it like that, it's like, man, that makes sense. And man, I, you know, if if my leader would do that, then, you know, I would, I could get on board with like some of the tough feedback. The, the challenge uh, there's a statistic and, and you love this and I'll shut up. Um, there's a statistic that says in this day and age, the average age that somebody finds themselves in their first leadership role where they have responsibility for another human being is 26 years old. The research also says that the average age that somebody receives leadership training for the first time on how to lead others is 42. So you end up with this outcome where you have leaders who are responsible for other human beings and have no idea how to lead them. And it's not their fault. They've just never had somebody come to them and say, hey, you have an amazing responsibility that's now on your shoulders. Let's talk about how you're going to do that. Even better if you can get ahead of it. Before you become the leader, let's talk about what leadership looks like, right? that's a big part of why we started this organization in the first place is we saw that gap in the marketplace, particularly when it comes to data and technology, where you tend to promote your best coder. And instead of having this long gap where people are trying their best and leading as best they can, assuming they even want to, right? Because a lot of people just get promoted because they want to make more money, not because they wanted to lead you. But assume, you know, we want to create an organization that is getting ahead of that, equipping and inspiring the next generation of data and technology leaders. And that's that's the thing that we're after. I think you're saying a lot of quiet parts out loud that we all know to be true in a lot of how business can operate. Like one of the reasons I'm still an individual contributor is because I have seen so many poor examples of leadership throughout my career. Now, I have really great leadership right now, but I've seen so many cases where explicitly that has happened, where you someone promoted their best coder to a manager because they were the best coder. Turns out they're not a good manager. They were the best coder. Um, and you're not setting people up to be fulfilled in their careers. You're not setting them up to be successful and you're not setting their teams up to be successful. And in terms of uh, kindness and uh, kindness versus niceness, it's funny. I, I've told both of these two stories in separate contexts. So sorry, longtime listeners, you're going to hear this again. But I, I had one boss earlier in my career who told me I wasn't interesting and that people that aren't interesting don't usually go anywhere, um, which was both unkind and unhelpful. I had another. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, now it's like I'm like, uh, how you like me? I actually said that during my uh, I did that that in my talk at uh, Tableau conference this year. And Jeff Schaefer said to my friend, David, who now works for Jeff, who worked there with me, says, that really happened? David's like, I was there. Um, the other story also involves David because I had a mentor and I was not, I was not in a great headspace at the time at work. I, I wasn't, I wasn't performing. I knew I wasn't performing. I was losing interest. I didn't care. I was frustrated. And my mentor, instead of saying it to me, said this to David, said, Zach either needs to figure out if he wants to do this or get out. Mm. and David told me and I was hurt, but I was mostly hurt because he didn't tell me personally, because mm. that was actually actionable advice. It hurt because it was true. 
And after that, it lit a fire under me. And I realized, well, if I really want to do this, I actually need to get serious about it. And, you know, sometimes people are going to be there to help you. And other times you have to actually put that work in yourself and figure out what it's going to take for you to become the next version of you that you need to be because you're always sort of a newer you every day. So I started sort of doubling down and investing in myself and working. And then a year later, that same mentor who had moved on to a different position reached out to me and said that he had heard that like I was just doing amazing and asked if I'd like to come over to his team and join a new role. And I was like, wow, like it was really, you know, that was a game changer for me because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to blame others sometimes for where you are or be frustrated or feel like you haven't been given the opportunities you need. Um, and sometimes that's, that's true, but other times it's also true that maybe you are the problem. <laughs> You know, you're you're the constant in your own life also. And sometimes you can be in your own way from where you need to be next. And yeah, like so much of what you said, it, it's it's one of the reasons I'm not a people leader. Now, I've been uh, mentoring at work many data schoolers. We've had several pass through within the past year. And I've been very explicit, like, this is something I really enjoy. I like help building them up. I help like help giving them the skills they need. But I don't want to be the person that writes people's annual reviews and has to deal with disciplinary issues and that kind of nonsense. Like, I'm a person that wants to come up with the next best idea and make it happen. And like, that's, what's fun for me. I like to innovate and I like uh, new challenges and projects. Like I don't want to be the guy that has to have all that pass through my fingers and hope someone else does it down the road. It's fun to help other people do that, but much like Top Gun Maverick, which I like to talk about a lot, Maverick was such a good instructor because he was a great pilot. And when he realized he couldn't teach these people as the dispassionate flight instructor, he had to show them that he could fly the mission so that they knew that they could fly the mission. And that's kind of where my headspace is. Yeah. It, one of the things that you're articulating, and there's there's a number of threads we could pull on with, with what you just got after, but the, the this last point on kind of the Top Gun Maverick, which uh, I watched, by the way, later than everybody and immediately fell in love. It's, it's like such a good movie. Uh, like I, I was blown away like... I kind of went into it like, there's no way this is going to be anywhere near as good as the first one. Way and better frankly, than it has any right better. to be. Right, exactly. Like how they pulled it off is just phenomenal. Um, but to your point, like there is a, there are so many different ways to lead and circumstance dictates, you know, which one of those threads do we want to pull to your point? It's also knowing the individual human being, right? You know, one of the things that I think is an advantage for you because you, you know, you've kind of put some thought into this and done some work on it is in this season, right? And I'll preface it with that, right? In this season, you don't want to be the person doing the other things. You want to be the person coming up with cool ideas, executing them, building cool stuff. That's awesome. Um, the fact that you know that kind of makes it so that you then like, you, you know what lane to travel in, right? You know, you, Hey, uh, maybe one day somebody will do that other stuff, but in this season, I want to travel in this lane. That's great. You know, you get to make that decision. The the one thing that we tell our kids and, and sometimes I tell our team is, you know, you get to make your decisions. You don't get to pick your consequences. Right. And so, you know, there are you know, the word consequence is just, you know, the thing that comes after it's it's with sequence con sequence. And so it is, you know, it's it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. You know, you made a decision and now there's a thing that's coming after you got to pick that thing, but you don't get to pick this thing. Right. And so that may have, um, you know, benefits over the course of time for you in this season. And there may be things it, or and it may change, uh, which is, to again, totally up to you. You get to make that decision uh, over the course of your over your course, of your career. But I love that you put the work in to kind of like figure that out and kind of say in this season, this is what I want to do. I mean, that's that's 100 percent accurate. And that's also like thinking of it as a this is what I care about right now, because I'm constantly thinking of what do I want to be in five years? Like, is that different from this? You know, and like I look to people like, you know, Steve Wexler and Ben Jones, and I'm like, that looks pretty good. But like, how does Zach Bowders become that? And I'm like, well, I don't become that. I become the Zach Bowders of that, you know, and like that's another thing, like the sort of sin of comparison and looking at other people and thinking, man, I really wish I could be them. It's like, no. You, you should not be trying to be them. You should be trying to be a better version of you um, and understanding who you are, you know, <laughs> and also what your values are and what's important to you is a big part of that. And like you said, yeah, there are definitely consequences to choices like this. Like I have peers that make significantly more money than me 
They, they're also in positions that wield a lot more power. There's things that I would like to participate in that I don't get to participate in. So like the uh, data leadership collective, I would love to be part of something like that, but I'm not a people leader. So I'm not, not included in that, but I do like to speak. And because I like to speak, I do a podcast and I talk at a lot of tugs. So I find my own ways to do some of the stuff I'd like to do, but yeah, 100%, there's always consequences to every choice. And it's, you know, sometimes we like to think you can have it all and there's always a trade-off for every single thing you choose. So while I do get more personal autonomy and get to get my hands dirty or more myself, I'm trading that for money, authority, and more opportunities to speak. Yeah. And, and as long as, you know, when you play the game, you inherit the rules, right? And so yeah. as long as we're clear on the game we're playing, which is I'm playing the individual contributor game where I get to do really cool stuff because that's the game I want to play right now. Awesome. The rules, as you've stated them, are are what they are. The other thing that I love that you just said is you, know, you talked about we should all be running our own race. And like, you know, I I have this kind of visual word picture in my head with the with the word purpose and kind of being like on purpose. Like purpose is a tightrope, and it's as if we are going between buildings uh, several hundred feet in the air. And you know, if if we are doing that, you know, if you begin to look to the left and to the right you immediately come off balance and you immediately begin to fall in some form or fashion, right? I think uh, our society has totally forgotten this, right? I'm, I'm on my purpose, right? Uh, you know, this is what I'm called, you know, this is what I feel like I'm called to do. This is what lights me up. This is taking the gifts and talents that I have. Uh, and, you know, in this season, using them as effectively as possible. Uh, but that's my, that's my, that's my opportunity, you know, I had a conversation with one of our leaders um, in his, we do quarterly reviews. We don't do annual reviews around here. And it was part of his quarterly review the other day. And it was, it was a conversation where this is a person who is uh, you know, brighter than the sun. He's so much smarter than me. Um, he's amazing at what he does. And for him to take his next step forward as a leader, his opportunity is to uh like lead teams of teams, which it requires vision and influence and understanding why we're doing that, making sure that the people that you're leading understand that so that they can communicate it to their teams, right? And so the conversation was, I'm not judging whether you understand why we're doing this. I'm judging whether the people that you're leading can articulate and bring to life why we need to do this, right? It's a completely different skill set. But if you want the power, the authority, the and the influence that comes with the next step of where you're going, you know, that's that's what it looks like. Now, me, I fall out of bed and I do that stuff because that's just the way like like I am. Like I don't want the details, I don't want the rules. I want to inspire and engage you, engage your heart and tell you why it matters so much that this thing exists and why we're going to do this and all the purpose behind it, right? It's just how I, it's, it's like, it's in my soul, right? The reality for this person is that's not natural. And I said, the last thing I want you to do though, as you kind of figure this out is I don't want you to ever try to be me, right? That would be such a disservice to you because it, what, what it would show up is you being an authentic Right. So the, the, the opportunity is you've got to go do this that I'm asking you to do, but you got to do it authentic to who you are and to your voice, because otherwise uh, you could pretend to be this thing, but nobody's ever going to listen and follow somebody that they don't recognize and don't know and don't understand. Right. And so part of the challenge is here's the concept, but you got to run your own race in service of the concept. Right. You know, and don't be me. Don't try to be Wexler. Right? Don't try to be Ben Jones, right? Be you using your gifts, talents, experiences, so forth in service of the concept, in service of the purpose, in service of the why, right? Uh, first of all, you're dripping with riz, as the kids say. Like your charisma <laughs> is off the scale. You roll straight 20s. Like you're, um, in terms of you engaging with you, I've met you in person and I've talked with you like elsewhere. Obviously, you're incredibly charismatic to talk to, and I know that that's very like energizing and inspiring to people, and I can see why that is very effective in terms of leadership. So, for you, when you're at, like trying to engage and inspire leaders, I wanna I want people to note like at no point have we talked about any single technical skill during any of this. Like this is all soft skill talk, but soft skills are so essential 
to being successful, regardless of what position you're in and your skill level. Like if you're thinking purely as a technician, you're going to have a lot of unhappy people in your circles. You have to be able to communicate ideas effectively. You have to be able to sell ideas and influence, as you say, like so much of that is important. And oftentimes if you're engaging with clients or even people internally, you have to be able to sometimes push back or suggest different alternatives that sometimes people will be displeased with on the surface because they don't understand the why. Absolutely. It is a, and what I, you, you mentioned kind of this concept of soft skills. Um, I, I've come to believe a, a slightly better term could be human skills, right? And it's, it's, the contrast, of course, is kind of the technical skills or quote, quote, the hard skills, um, you know, being human and being authentic and vulnerable and having courage is actually extraordinarily hard. Right. And so we can we can. And that's part of why I like um, putting ascribing a, a bit of a different word to it, because I don't think this stuff is soft at all. Um, I think, frankly, you know, this is you know, there's that whole kind of concept of, you know, nobody cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care type of thing. You know, one of my crusades and, you know, to dive into a bit of the technical and the data pieces at this stage of the game is I sit here because I've been in this world long enough, you know, I've been doing data for, I don't know, 12 years, something like that. But in this world long enough where I remember, you know, data science uh, is the sexiest job of the 21st century and data is the new oil and all this stuff. I mean, it's the stuff that rocketed Tableau up the charts in the stock market and everywhere else. As I look back over the last decade, I, I remember those promises. I I shudder because I, I worry that we have, uh, those promises are largely unfulfilled in the majority of the organizations because frankly, we were solving a technical problem. The part of the solution that we didn't create while we solved all the technical stuff, because by the way, the technology is amazing, right? Any one of these platforms can go do an incredible stuff. Right. And the databases are so much faster than than your mama's cube and all that stuff and your granddaddy's Fortran and all that. You know, the, the AS 400s, I mean, you know, whatever. So like the technology we have today is is insane compared to what we had even a decade ago. So it's not a technology gap. The gap is my belief. As we built the technology, we did not build the processes and the systems around it so that people understood what to do with it when they, you know, what lever do I pull when I see this thing happen? Um, what What is the impact of that both upstream, you know, the people before me or the data before me or where it came from and all that other stuff and downstream? Like if I pull this lever, you know, uh, to take a, a metaphorical analogy, right? It's like if I pull this lever and I divert the water, you know, does anybody's farm go dry because I diverted all the water, right? Do I understand the downstream impacts of what I'm going to do? So, so there's that whole kind of system and process piece. But the last piece of any solution, and I think a solution always requires three things, regardless of the, the uh, arena or whatever, even, you know, at home and in life. The last piece of a solution is, is the audience, the people, and the ideal behavior. Does the person that I'm doing this and the decision that I'm making, does it allow for a behavior, uh, a repeated pattern of action to occur so that um, we do better things and make better decisions more consistently, right? You know, so so in order to do a, a create a solution, I need a tool or a technology, I need a system and a process. But at the end of the day, if I, I can get both those things in spades, but if I don't get the people, the audience that I'm I'm intending, and an ideal behavior from that audience in service of solving a problem, I don't have anything, right? So we have great technology. And in some places we've written a bunch of stuff down. But if we're not following the process, if we're not engaging and behaving in a way that creates, that is more productive or better for decision-making, then we've done nothing. And that's the gotcha is like, that's why I think there's so much opportunity that remains out there for an organization like ours and, you know, why we want to help uh, equip and inspire these leaders and then ultimately launch them out because there's so much good work to do. I think data is really powerful, but I think it's also being dramatically underutilized in positive and effective ways. It's not being underutilized in other ways, like the, num you know, I had this conversation uh, not that long ago, 
But I basically said, you know, somebody asked me, is the dashboard dying? You know, you know, we keep hearing that the dashboard's dying and that what we're going to do is natural language querying and it's going to give us all the right answers. And, da, da, da. and I said, let's talk about why you're having a conversation around the dashboard is dying or the dashboard's dead, right? The vast majority of dashboards that I've seen actually suck, right? And, and being the user who is told to do something with this thing that doesn't work very well, and that is a black box of like, well, where did this data even come from? And should I trust it? Is really hard. And so I, I, I see your dashboard, but I don't want to use it. And so I'm kind of back to square one where I'm making decisions on something that's basically gut, right? You know, 10, 15 years into it, we're just not that much farther down the road as far as making positive, actionable, understood decisions, because ultimately that's the, that's the business we're all in, right? We've got to make better decisions. That's why we have the data in the first place. That's why we did the analysis in the first place. We either don't trust it, we don't have the process for it, and we're, or we haven't articulated the behavior we're after. Right? Again, clarity is kindness. So once we articulate those things and tell people how this is how it's designed to work, and this is what we want you to do once you do it, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can do that. It's like, well, that's what we meant. It's like, but you didn't say it. And so it's, you know, and now we're having like a, a it, it, that's marital counseling, you know, one-on-one right there, right? So I meant that, well, that's not what you said. Uh, okay, well, yeah, all these different things. So that that's what we're after. So yeah, 100%. I, I, think, I think that's incredibly laudable. And I think, you know, to, I had a uh, professor in college who said, uh, technology has never granted a sustainable competitive advantage. And nothing could be more true because as soon as you can create one widget, everyone else can create that same widget. It's processes and people that actually make the difference. And I mean, we could go to natural language models, but that doesn't resolve the issue that people don't understand what's happening. They don't have trust in the data. And why should they believe this more than anything else? It's all of this is... Yeah, we're talking about having relationships, uh, establishing understanding, understanding who's using this, why, what their problems are, what steps they need to take, and then actually using the correct tool for the job. You know, there's that uh, there's that old uh, wives' tale about the uh, nuclear power plant, and it's acting up, and they hire the technician to come in, and he sort of walks around for an hour, and then whacks one place with a hammer and writes a bill for a million dollars. And they say, "Why should I pay a million dollars? You just hit something with a hammer." And he says, "Well, I knew where to hit." And it's that's really what we're being asked to do. That's really what you're being paid for. You're not being paid to make a dashboard. You're being paid to resolve issues and you know, create surprise and delight, as I like to say, you know, instead of shock and awe, I like, I like surprise and delight. You you want to surprise people with how much they like using this or how much it resolves their issues. Like that's what you're trying to do. It's like the tools are just the tools. Absolutely. And, you know, we think around here that success is a function of adoption, right? You, you want to build things that people want to use, not things people have to use. And And language reveals so much, right? Well, we have to use this dashboard versus, man, uh, I want to use that. I can't wait to get my hands on it, right? That looks awesome. That's super helpful. Um, because at the end of the day, you can build something great. You can put it in front of them. You can vet it. You can cleanse the data. You can do all the things and you can get them all 100% right. But if you don't move somebody to make a different behavioral decision, right? You know, their, their, their behavior before you got here was, well, I just downloaded it and I put it in Excel and I do my own thing. If their behavior does not change, you can build the most beautiful, amazing thing, get all the data right, da, 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 and you still failed because you didn't change the behavior, right? The behavior was, I wanted to make this easier so you could make a decision faster so that you could enable your leadership so that the organization could move forward, right? If we have not changed behavior, we have not succeeded. That's why you know I'm, I'm pushing our team more and more all the time that as much as we're in the dashboard of the database or the integration business, we're in the change management business as well, right? And in change management, you know, it goes back to closing time, right? You know, every new beginning comes from some other beginnings in, right? And so part of the, 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 the learning around change management that we're doing is the fact that there's a mourning process for the old thing that has to occur before the new thing can begin, right? It's, it's psychology. It's, it's again, the humanity of the thing. And so, you know, I can imagine a world where you say, hey, you know, Steve, Julie, whatever, you know, Excel user's name is, 
um, Bob, um, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to print this. It's going to be the last time anybody ever prints this. And what you and I are going to do is we're going to go outside and we're going to light it on fire because this thing is going to die. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to print it. I'm going to put it on your desk. You tell me when you're ready to burn it. And I will know in that moment that you're ready to move on to the next thing. Everybody else is already there. But I need you to come along with us, right? This is where we're going, right? So you, I will print it. It's on you to tell me when we can light it on fire, right? Now it's all in their court, right? You're not rushing into a decision, but you are telling them it's, it's going to come to a close. We're going to mourn it. We're going to have a moment because every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end, right? And so it's, uh, and again, when we're building a dashboard, I don't know that we think about that. When we're building a database, I don't know that we're thinking about that, right? Because the thing that's in place that is like, man, I can't believe they do it this way here. And I can't believe that this is, it's like this. That was somebody's great idea from blank period ago, right? And they may be your client or they may be the person that you're talking to, right? It might be their great idea from, you know, either last week or seven years ago. You, you got to honor that. Right. You can't just come in and say, this sucks. Do you even know who built it? Well, actually it was me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. It's, it, it is those moments where again, like you want to have the empathy of like, Hey, I understand and appreciate that y'all have worked your tails off because you don't really have the tools that are sufficient for doing the task. Let's build you something better. Here's what we're going to go do. Um, are you ready? Right. So they got to get their, their mind around kind of where they're going because um, they're kind of stuck at where they've been. But you're after heart and hearts and minds. <clears throat> I, I, I appreciate it. you have a couple literary concepts there. I, I mean, you've got murdering your darlings about not being precious about ideas and understanding that new ideas come along and that you should be comfortable with the idea that you can top yourself and someone else can top you. And it's not that anyone's better. You know, it's just uh, different ideas come along. And also the call to adventure, like understanding, hey, look, like come, come along on this with us. Like, you know, we can't strong arm you into this, like, but but come along. And having said that, like, I can't believe an hour has flown by. It's been awesome. And I could easily go for another hour. But let me ask you, is there anything you'd like to shout out or promote before we wrap up today? You know, um, I love our team. Uh, it's, um, it's so cool. Uh, and I tell our team this all the time. Like, you know, when I, when I come to work each and every day, um, I am witnessing like a dream come true, right? You know, it's very few of us have the opportunity to, uh, to start something that's a dream and to watch it come to life. Um, and the, the people who come alongside and raise their hand and say, you know, Hey, I see what you're doing and I want to be a part of it and I will risk my career and I will risk, um, you know, just, uh, whatever it is, right. You know, I'm, I'm in, um, that means so much. And so, you know, it's folks, uh, who are in this community, uh, many of whom, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's the Jared Flores's and the Jennifer Dawes and the Anna Ford's and the Jade Wimpy's and, or uh, Jade Corley's, um, and the many, many others. Um, you know, it's, it is such a blessing to have such a, an incredible crew. And that's a, yeah, a, a small group of names uh, from a, a much larger organization, um, but it is—it's such a beautiful thing. And so the the simple thing I would just shout out is just the gratitude that I have for people who've come on the journey and come along the journey. Um, and you know, Zach, to have an opportunity to come on here and, and kind of share a little bit about what's going on here, why we do what we do. Um, you know, for everybody who is on this journey, and I was having this conversation um, in a different context with somebody just a minute ago, but you know, this person was sharing, you know, the I attribute where I am in my career to you and analytic vision. And I was like, that's amazing. Uh, so grateful. Um, and this is, this is not somebody who is even a consultant with us. This is just somebody who's one of our clients who's come over the course of time. And I said, you know, just to say it out loud, like I, you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants who came before me and people who opened doors for me. Um, you know, one of the the things um, that's, that's happening in my world in that space is, um, I've been involved with the Atlanta Tableau user group for about 12 years now, since kind of, I stumbled on the, the product. It turned out that Atlanta had one of the very first user groups. It turns out we're actually the very first, I don't care what London says at all. Uh, we were the first, uh, we are absolutely the best and doesn't, you know, uh, we'll just end that argument here and now, cause I have the microphone, but with all that said, um, 
and and you can feel free to write me at uh, Nelson at um, you know analyticvision.com. Um, but with all that said, um, what I would say is I'm stepping back um, and I'm, I'll be kind of like leader for the last time at, at our upcoming ATUG um, uh, in a couple of weeks. And it, it, it gives you perspective. Um, we were talking about that in our all hands this morning and unprompted, uh, a number of people just started throwing in the chat, you know, without a tug, uh, I wouldn't be here. Right. And so it's, it's this community, it's this connectedness. It's this, uh, this thing that we share. It's the fact Zach, that you do this podcast and you bring people on here. Um, and those connections make, you know, these are the things that sustain us and preserve us between, you know, the other 51 weeks of the year between conference um, that, you know, that keep this thing going. And, you know, the, the, the thing that I think you and I would, and so many of us would say is like this Tableau community, the hu- the quality of human being inside this community is, is amazing and awesome. Um, what we're simply trying to do in this organization is, um, is take that to another level. And that's been such a beautiful thing. And so I'm just, I come on here just with a lot of gratitude uh, for the journey, for the people that have gone on with me, for the people whose shoulders I stand on and um, to anybody that um, I've had the opportunity to impact it. You know, that's, that's been a cool honor for me. So thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on Nelson. 